Today's episode is brought to you by Squarespace. Squarespace is the easiest way to create a beautiful website, blog, or online store for you and your ideas. Squarespace features an elegant interface, beautiful templates, and, and incredible 24-7 customer support. Try Squarespace at squarespace.com and enter offer code TECH at checkout to get 10% off. Squarespace. Build it beautiful. Uh, I grew up in Texas all of my life, but there was one time that uh, it was, I think I was seven, it was in the first grade, that my parents who worked at NASA at the time, they were transferred to work in Florida. And, you know, as a kid, I was very unhappy about it. And uh one we got this really big high rise on uh, a beach called Cocoa Beach, and was it covered in chocolate? <laughs> Unfortunately, no. Uh, another disappointment of childhood. <laughs> yeah, definitely. And to add to that disappointment, uh, right before we left, my parents were teasing me, saying that you don't want to go in the water on the beach because I'll immediately get bitten by a shark. <laughs> so. <laughs> We had this amazing place on the beach, and I was terrified to go in the water. But the greatest thing about it was, well, I didn't realize this till later, but we had this amazing view of Cape Canaveral, which is where they launched the shuttle. And that's what my parents were working on at the time. And they dragged me out to the beach, which I was too scared to go on. And it was dusk, and it was that perfect golden hour. And in the distance, you could see this beam of light rising, uh, you know, on the horizon. And smoke was billowing out from beneath it. And at first you can't hear anything because the sound doesn't reach you for a little while. And so it was this silent beam of light moving up into the sky. And then the boom hits you. And I just remember being in such awe... (laughs) of watching the shuttle rise to space. And I think that was probably the first time I really got it, you know, what my parents did for a living, which was to launch space shuttles. I mean, it definitely took a little more uh, appreciation as I grew older and into my teens, but that was the first time I thought, wow, that's really special. Hello, and welcome to What's Tech, a podcast for TheVerge.com. My name is Christopher Thomas Plant, and I will be your host and guide through space and time today. Uh, Today's episode, in in case you didn't get it from the beginning, is about space colonization, and I have my new friend, my new colleague, Lauren Grush, the science reporter at TheVerge.com. Maybe you've heard of it from two seconds ago when I said it. How are you doing today, Lauren? Really great. Excited to talk about Something I love a lot. I am excited about this, too, because I am determined to find a way to live on another planet before I die. That might mean living another, I don't know, 500 years. But we'll figure that out (laughs) over the course of this episode, apparently. Um, So let's take it from the top, because um, my brain doesn't understand any of this right now. um, And I'm going to be very impressed if we can somehow help my brain in under 30 minutes. We're going to do our best. We'll do our best. What is space colonization as an idea? 
space colonization is just, you know, what colonization is with the word space in front of it. (laughs) Uh, It's the idea of setting up shop, you know, a sustainable habitat that is off of our planet Earth on another planet elsewhere. Here's where um, you might crush my dreams. How practical is space colonization or is it essentially science fiction for the foreseeable future? You know, it really, it all depends on your location and how much money and work you want to put into it. So I'd say one of the biggest uh, deterrents for it right now is, you know, we have a lot of technology that could allow it to happen, but um, to get that technology to another planet, you have to transport it, and transporting that, and in, in, it involves, you know, miniaturizing that technology and making sure that it can work on another planet. And none of that has been tested before, you know, because we've really only been to the moon a couple times, and we didn't really set up shop there. So all of the technology would we would need, we don't really know how it would, you know, react to a another world. So that's kind of the biggest. I'd say problem we're facing right now is just the lack of knowledge of how Let, our technology <laughs> would work elsewhere. Let's say I am I'm not me. I don't really care about space or going to space. I have so many things to worry about on Earth. Uh who's gonna go to the World Series this year? <laughs> That's a great question. Why would I, this person, even consider putting uh, the tremendous amount of time and resources into space colonization? Well, you know, we can look at it from the doom and gloom side of things. You know, we talk a lot about global warming. Uh, You know, maybe someday this planet won't be hospitable for us. So, you know, if that is the case, then we got to get out of (laughs) here. And we won't be able to come back to Earth to, you know, get supplies or, uh, you know, figure things out. So we would need to be self-sustaining on another world. And so you can look at it that way. I, I choose to look at it as a, you know, think think of the type of engineering project that would pose and the type of international collaboration it would inspire. You know, we, I don't think, you know, NASA says that they're full on going to Mars. However, it's going to take a lot of international cooperation it's going to take a lot of engineering projects, and it's going to take a lot of people working together. And I think that is such a kind of beautiful image in my head of, you know, <laughs> people coming together for this great cause, this really cool thing that we've never done before in the name of science and engineering. So I choose to look at it that way. But, of course, you know, there's always the escape the heating world <laughs> angle. <laughs> It's like the end of the Grinch, except for when they come together hand in hand. Yeah. It's not to stop the Grinch. It's to save us from ourselves. Yeah, instead of encircling a Christmas tree, they would be, you know, singing around a launch vehicle. <laughs> <laughs> okay, so um, space. Uh, so very inhospitable to human life. Uh, let's break this all down from the basics. First step, I imagine Correct me if I'm wrong, but the first step is we have to find a planet that would even be like an acceptable option. Right. So, yeah, there's two ways to think about it. Right now, you know, if you're thinking of the places, you know, nearby, uh, we've got the moon and we've got Mars. That's Those are the places that are feasible and within our reach, 
that we could get to in our lifetime. And then in terms of finding a planet elsewhere that maybe kind of mimics Earth, um, you know, we're working on it. There are There's this mission that NASA had launched in 2009 called the Kepler mission, which is basically this um, this telescope, the spacecraft telescope that is its main goal is to look for uh, exoplanets within the Milky Way. And it does this by using this technique called dimming. So whenever you look at a star, because most planets are, if not all planets are orbiting a star, um, it, it it's very bright. So you can't really see any of the planets surrounding it. But when a planet does pass in front of its host star, it slightly dims the light. And so Kepler can measure just this, this very slight dimming. And it can use that information to determine the size and distance that planet is away from the sun. And it did this recently. Uh, NASA uh, announced that they discovered a basically an Earth 2.0. <laughs> It's called a uh, Kepler 452b, and it's it's has a real nice ring. To oh it. yeah, <laughs> sounds like my next vacation home. But um, yeah, it's and it's very far away. So that's that's the other issue with these exoplanets is they're they're light years away. So um, they're not necessarily attainable within the foreseeable future. But uh, you know, they probably have a better chance. This Earth 2.0, we don't know much about it yet, but there's a chance that, you know, it could be like Earth. It's the same distance away from its star that our planet is from our sun, and uh, it's about the same size. So that's why they're pretty optimistic that it might be like an Earth out there in the galaxy. Okay, let's talk about Mars and the moon. Yes. Because that seems like the best hope in my life. <laughs> it is, but definitely. They, they also seem Awful. I mean, <laughs> I don't mean to speak too poorly of them, but the moon, like, sucks. Like, we did that. I disagree, but... Yeah, well, let me just say, it's not on TV anymore, so, like, <laughs> I don't even know why I bother. In Mars, I have seen movies that featured Mars prominently, and they were boring. Um, so, what about You didn't them? like uh, the, the red... No, not Mission, Mission to Mars. Mission to Mars. Yeah. It came out at the exact same time. I get them mixed up all yeah, the time. Yeah, those two movies, they were very... Yeah, they were close. One of them had Carrie Ann Moss and she fought a robot dog. Yeah, that one I didn't like. I liked that the one... That was the bad one. ...with Gary Sinise. Correct. Yes. That was the one with Brian De Palma directed it. Yeah. Which means it was a good movie for about 75% of the time, <laughs> and then 25% it was just awful. Um, we got really sidetracked down yeah, a weird Brian De Palma hole here. Um, anyway, again, beyond my bias against these two, well, planet and the moon, how the hell would they even make it work? They don't look like places I could live. Right. So that's where the engineering comes in. So for the moon, you know, the moon's close by. So we could we could conceivably get there pretty quickly. But with Mars... It's it's quite a ways off, so any trip there is going to take months. And, uh, you know, another issue is radiation. So um, <laughs> Small thing. Right. So Earth is protected from, you know, solar radiation because of this thing called the magnetosphere. We have this magnetic field that kind of shelters us from harm. But Mars doesn't have that. So you're going to get blasted with a ton more radiation 
uh, <laughs> just by being on the surface. Um, so that's something that needs to be addressed in terms of, you know, if you're going to put up a habitat, how are you going to shield from that? Um, also, you know, you, Mars has an atmosphere, but it's very thin and it uh, doesn't quite have the gases that we need so we can't obviously breathe it um so we'll need to have some kind of self-sustaining pod that has oxygen and a way to continually renew that oxygen with all the carbon dioxide that we're putting out into it so there are these things called carbon dioxide scrubbers where you can take the carbon dioxide out of the atmosphere and recycle it but like I said earlier, you know, we don't know how those technologies will work uh, in space or how we can transport them. So that's another issue. Um, what else? There's a ton of problems. <laughs> I'm going to shoot you straight. Yeah. You are very quick to defend Mars and the moon. They are not living up to the expectations <laughs> that you set forth. <laughs> well, I'm focusing on Mars. so I. <laughs> <laughs> the moon is great. <laughs> well, I think... I and I've I said this before, you know, or sorry, the moon is, it's it would serve as a great practice spot. Um, it's very yes. close, and a lot of studies. I think there was a recent NASA feasibility study that came out that said we could get there on existing rockets. You know, either using Atlas V or the Delta Four or um, SpaceX's Falcon Heavy that they're hoping to come out with, you know, next year. We could get there on those rockets, um, and it wouldn't be very expensive. And if we did that, then we could kind of test out all these technologies on the moon and then try them out on a long-term mission to Mars. So, you know, granted, they're not the same places. The Mar you know, Mars has more gravity than the moon, and the moon, I think, is is a little protected by Earth's magnetosphere, but we could try out oxygen, you know, scrubbing and carbon dioxide scrubbing. We could try out, see if we can grow plants in the moon, the moon's uh, soil, because that's that's also going to be something that we need. We need to know how to grow plants and not, because we're not going to be able to re-up <laughs> from Earth, you know, when we're on these other <laughs> planets. We're going to have to be able to to farm so um, that's something that we could also test out when we go to the moon. I I don't know how to put this the right way. I'm like looking for a shortcut. <laughs> <laughs> like I'm looking for the cheat sheet. So I'm giving up on the moon and Mars for a moment. Okay. Let's say Earth 2.0. This, well, Kepler 4.58B. Yes. Yeah, right. That one. It is perfect. We figure that out somehow soon. Mm -hmm. um, and I'm like, great. It's just like this planet, but even bigger. I want to get there now. How? How? How do I do that? Well, that's probably the biggest issue. So like I said, mm. uh, <laughs> Kevlar-452b is, I think it's 1,400 light years away. Um, so really... We don't have any conceivable option to get there right now. However, um, you know, there's constant work looking into different propulsion techniques. One of the ones that's probably gotten the most buzz is um, the warp drive, if you've you heard about that. 
NASA scientists are kind of working on this this warp drive and also a thing called the um, Q thrusters. It's the quantum vacuum plasma thruster. Let me see if I can wrap my head around it for you. But essentially what they're saying is space isn't empty and it's full of all of these virtual particles and you can conceivably push against these particles and that will thrust you forward. So it sounds crazy, but it's saying that we can push against the emptiness of space and that will propel us forward. And it, a lot of people are saying that's nuts and, you know, we don't know much about the quantum vacuum and, and all that stuff. But if it does work, then that is something that could take us, you know, light years away in a span of time that won't kill us. <laughs> so you said that this Kepler planet that's like Earth, Earth 2.0, mm-hmm. is 1,400 light years away. Yeah. If that, a light year traveling, uh, that's the speed of light, correct? Like how long it takes for light to travel. So that's a, a year, right. a year's time. Mm-hmm. If we were traveling like the speed of light, it would take us 1,400 years to get there. Yes. So if if we're seeing it now, that essentially means what we're seeing is that beam of light, uh, you know, going around the Earth 2.0 from 1,400 years ago. So essentially around 6.15 our time. Uh, yes. Yeah, if you think about All it. All I'm saying is like, <laughs> what if there are people there and then they're figuring this out at the same time, but it's going to take 1,400 years for us to communicate. This is like, I'm not smoking anything right no, now. No, no. Um, but- it, it like the that entire planet could have exploded and we could get there and be like, hey, where's the party? And they're like, sorry, we exploded 1,300 years ago. <laughs> that is exactly right. Um, and that's something that they talked about when they re- when they announced this planet. <laughs> not not that it might have exploded, but <laughs> <laughs> that the um, the planet is orbiting a star that's six billion years old, and it's uh, about uh, 1.5 billion years older than our sun is. So that's it's very possible that since it's in the same habitable region that Earth is and it might have water on it, I mean, we have no idea, but if it does, then it's had a lot longer for life forms to evolve than our Earth has. Um, so yeah, we have no idea. I mean, there's we know very little about it, but it's possible there's a whole civilization over there that has come and gone and we have no clue. Or it could just be a Jurassic World. Oh gosh. I'm sorry. I don't want to turn this sour. <laughs> let's not let's not talk about okay, that. Okay, back maybe. to back to the normal <laughs> questions. Um okay, so we have an idea of how the planet would be livable. We have a general idea of how we would get there. Um the two things that I don't like about either of these options is they definitely don't seem like they're going to happen within my lifetime. Would it be crazy for us just to build a planet, like a self-sustaining thing of metal and or plastic in space that I could go live in? Yeah. I mean, it's not crazy to think of that. And if you think of the International Space Station, it's the closest thing we've got to a a space habitat. I mean, you don't have people living there all the time, but... 
we just launched two astronauts that are going to, or we launched them in March that are living there for a full year to see how space affects the human body. But the problem with that is humans aren't built for zero G. Um, We have evolved with gravity in mind. So um, you have to exercise constantly while you're in space so that you don't, you know, have bone loss, um, that you keep your muscles, you know, strong. Um, There's also some reports of, you know, fluid buildup in the brain when you're in space for a long time. There's there's reports of vision loss. So if you really want to have a place where you are where you that's in space and that you can live there and not have all these really terrible health problems <laughs> um the there's this idea of artificial gravity where you have like a rotating segment of the station that simulates gravity or as best as you can you know here on earth um so that that would take a lot more uh engineering of course to to have that kind of rotating sphere on the station. All of these things don't sound like things um, taxpayers would <laughs> fund ever, um, which is unfortunate. Uh, is it more likely for us to colonize space, you know, with our government? Or is it going to be essentially the backstory of Alien, where really wealthy companies are like, hey, you know what? We should just mine stuff. Because that's where the money is. Yeah. I mean, I think we're going to see a hybridization, which we've already started to see with, you know, SpaceX and United Launch Alliance and Boeing, you know, working with NASA to launch astronauts. I think we'll see something like that where NASA kind of works as this overseer because they know what they know how to get things done and they'll be they'll be working really hard and they have a lot of great minds at their disposal and they have government dollars behind them. But you also have these innovative companies that promise to launch for cheaper. Um, you know, bringing down launch costs is something that companies do way better than the government. <laughs> so, yeah, I see a collaboration of sorts. I don't see one dominating over the other. I think it's going to be we work together with these two sectors to get this done. Um, This has been a very movie-heavy episode. (laughs) Um, But to wrap up, is it more likely that we'll be colonizing space when you've seen the ending of AI? We've already discussed that we both like the film AI. And I wept openly. And I believe at the end, spoilers that humans have transcended into essentially AI inside, or I guess just I, intelligence, inside of robots? Is that the ending? Is that your reading of the ending? One, that's question oh, one. No. Two, uh, would we colonize space in whatever form that is? You think that we are the aliens at the end? Oh, yeah. I am oh, pretty sure. No, I, think, I thought I'm, like we had killed each other off because that's what we do and aliens came in and we're like, oh, look, a not uh, populated Earth. This is amazing. I am not the cynical person. This time. <laughs> Usually I'm the cynical person. I believe I actually thought the same as you, but I feel like I read somewhere that 
actually it's supposed to be like a a, a happy ending and that that's not just like robots oh. or aliens that's actually us and we finally finally learned to live in tandem <laughs> with with the robot i did uh, not get that at all I, I but mean, i like I, i'd like to think I, that you can yeah it can be whatever you want it to be i i realize that there hopefully we'll have done something in space before the plot of AI is reality. <laughs> I, I think that's practical. <laughs> oh, for sure. And and like I said, I there we can do it now. You know, we can colonize these places now, or we can at least go to the moon now, and we can get started on it now. Um, you know, they they're talking about Mars in twenty thirty, um, but if we were to if we were to focus our energy use our existing launch vehicles to go to the moon now and then set up shop there and and kind of you know figure get the the problems out of the way cuz there's always going to be issues when you start these things um but at least if if you have a like a catastrophe or something on the moon it's not that much harder to get back to earth whereas if you're on mars you are there until your ride comes and even then that's going to take months and months so yeah i think i think we can do it i think we are well within our capability of doing it it's just how we go about doing it needs to be refined i like this this is a positive note to end the show on. the show doesn't usually end on a happy note oh, usually good. it's like oh we're all doomed this is a good one and we're gonna keep it here um, thank you for coming on the show and talking about all this. Yeah, thanks for having me. It's fun. And thank you all for listening. This has been another episode of What's Tech. You can find us on TheVerge.com along with lots of other stories about similar topics. There's a lot of great writing. Great writing? There's a lot of great writing about space that I recommend you check out. Uh, you can find the podcast on all sorts of podcast places. I recommend iTunes, uh, if only because I would love for you to leave a review there. Maybe a five-star rating, maybe more a four, but let's go for five. That goes a long way to getting the show out to more people. Uh, you can also find us on Twitter, at What's Tech, and share us with your friends. I know I'm asking a lot of you, but I just expect so much from you. You're so great and talented. You have the ability to download the show. You are inquisitive, and you look great. You're going to go out and you're going to conquer the day. Until next time, bye.